Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlo and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories. All to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. Today we are joined by Tony Dacker. Tony is the head professional director of golf operations at Perputic Club down in uh, southern South Portland. Um, Tony, uh, how are you doing and uh, what's going on down uh, down in southern uh, southern Portland? Uh, first, thanks for having me. Enjoy following you guys on social media and listening to some of the podcasts. So I think you guys are doing a great job and you guys found a nice little niche uh, in me. So thanks for all you're doing to uh, keep people talking about golf. Um, doing okay. Um, you know, 2020 was certainly an unusual year for, for all of us. Uh, I think the golf business certainly is no different. So just uh, preparing for what we anticipate to be a really busy 2021 golf season. The off season here has been, uh, has been busy. We, put in a TrackMan simulator last winter, and that has uh, had some good momentum last year, and it's continuing this winter. So that's keeping us busy and just, again, planning for uh, for the 2021 season. A lot of behind-the-work team happened, as you know, in the off-season, to hopefully make your golf season go as, as smooth as possible. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know that's the the key is really kind of just planning everything because you know for us up here in maine i mean the season's so short that we have to make sure that we utilize every day you know as well as we can and the only way we can do that is really kind of prepare ahead and kind of plan our tournaments and kind of figure out what days you know we need to fill and what times we need to fill and really take advantage of it um you know especially i mean we saw it last year this past season um, you know, seasons golf was incredible. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, this was one of the best years ever for Sugarloaf, and uh, you know, we want to continue that uh, momentum. Yeah, we typically do between sixteen to eighteen thousand rounds a year, and last year we did over twenty-seven thousand, and we didn't open till May first, just like everybody else. Uh, we didn't really allow guest play here till after the 4th of July and we had uh, about five or six fewer golf outings than in the past. So it was super busy. And again, we're anticipating that again. So we're trying to, uh, you know, get all our ducks in a row, if you will, uh, now, whether it's junior programs or tournament operations and things like that. So, so, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about juniors for a second and let's talk about your, uh, your junior career and how you got started into the game. You know, I, I like hearing stories about, you know, how us professionals get started and, you know, it always seems similar, but it's, it's interesting hearing, hearing each story. So Tony, how'd you get involved? Yeah, I agree. Um, I was a big baseball player growing up. I didn't really start golfing seriously till I was 12 or 13. And it was thanks to my uncle who really introduced me to the game. 
he had retired and was a pretty average golfer and he bought me my first set of clubs and we my very first round was at uh, the old pleasant hill in scarborough and i played a little bit that summer and kind of enjoyed it uh, but i really thought you know i was going to be a baseball player and as i got a little bit older and into high school i realized that my baseball days were were going to be coming to an end fairly soon so i got into golf and played uh, throughout high school and was uh you know had some you know decent success but I didn't really uh, ever think that I could make a career or certainly make a, a living in the golf business. I, we had a couple family friends that were pharmacists. So actually I spent my freshman year at the University of Connecticut as a pharmacy major. Uh, it was probably halfway through the second semester that I realized that it wasn't gonna be for me. I didn't really wanna do that anymore. I did okay academically, but Really, my I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I loved to play golf. So, after my first year at UConn, I I transferred home. I transferred to USM, and that summer I hooked up with John Lapond, who was my old golf coach at Daring. And he said, "If you're going to be around this fall, why don't you help me with the golf team?" And I did that that fall, and I took the JV team. This is now 1988. I took the JV team to. I matched out at Forum Country Club and I knew Mark Fogg, who was the pro there a little bit. And we got talking a little bit uh, that day and throughout the fall. And kind of one thing led to another. And that next spring, I found myself uh, working at Gorm and going to class at USM. And so for the next three years, I literally worked my way through school. I'd, I'd take morning classes, then work in the afternoon or vice versa. And did that for a number of years. And um, upon graduating from USM with a business degree, I kind of obviously had to figure out what I wanted to do and had a few years invested in the golf business. So I, uh, I kind of entered the apprentice program. And, and from there, my I guess my career started. So I certainly, you know, never intended to kind of get in the golf business, I guess, if you will, when I first started. But um, I'm very, very grateful that that it all kind of worked out in the end. Yeah, I mean, you've had, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of uh, experience in Maine from, you know, Gorham to Woodlands, um, you know, and then eventually going to uh, being the executive director of the uh, the PGA uh, chapter. Um, how did, you know, how did that kind of translate? Like, how did the, the moves kind of go from Gorham to Woodlands to, you know, the executive director? I mean, kind of a interesting path there. Yeah. So I, you know, so when I, like I was saying, when I finished up school, I, I, you know, figured out, I, you know, could stay at Gorham and kind of work there seasonally and attain my PJ membership, you know, under Mark and, and working at Gorham. And I worked there for 12, 13 years till about 2003. Uh, and then in the end of 1999, the, Joe Floyd, who was the executive director for the main chapter, was retiring. And I, I knew Joe a little bit just from playing in pro-ams and playing competitively in Maine. And I thought that might be uh, something I would enjoy doing. I always loved working in tournament operations at Guam. And so I applied for the position and was fortunate enough to get it. 
did that from 2000 to 2013. And then in 2003, I had the opportunity to go to the Woodlands as an assistant and kind of made that move. So for, for a number of years, I, I was both an assistant and the ED for the main chapter. Um, kind of really enjoyed doing that. It was my job with the chapter was primarily tournament operations, did some member services and some education and, and a lot of behind the scenes stuff with sponsors and things like that. And then in 2013, I uh, was my last year at the Woodlands and started at Epiphutic in 2014. But always kind of had a passion for, for you know, running events and and I, you know, I did that for a number of years, you know, with the chapter and and uh, certainly had a lot of help along the way with you know, other golf professionals and superintendents and, and sales reps and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great way to kind of get to know all your fellow uh, peers, um, especially traveling, going to you know all the courses and you know doing all the events. I mean, we play what. 13, 14 events in the year. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of, uh, one, a lot of traveling and two, uh, it's a lot of connections right there. It is. And in fact, then, you know, we had a, a pretty, uh, extensive tournament schedule. We were playing, I think about 20 pro-ams a year and probably six or seven, uh, individual championships. So each week I kind of almost thought I was on like a little bit of a job interview. I was, you know, showcasing an event, um, for my fellow professionals who did it for a living. So, you know, obviously, um, you know, all the golf professionals know how to run a tournament. So I really felt like, you know, I was on stage each week and it was great. I, you know, if we went to Sugarloaf and had a pro-am there or, or Martindale or anywhere, I, I kind of got to know the golf pro a lot, you know, really well. I learned how, you know, what they were doing for memberships or their junior programs or, just really kind of built a ton of connections, uh, working with a lot of superintendents, kind of learned, you know, that side of the business a little, you know, a little bit. And I have to work with a superintendent to conduct a championship and things like that. So it was really, really beneficial, you know, for my career. And I tell a lot of young aspiring professionals that if you have a passion for golf, go for it. It's, you know, not all, not all golf, not all people that get into the business have to become a, a head professional or, or a teacher. There's so many avenues in our business uh, to pursue, whether it's you know, sales or on the golf course side, um, tournament administration. When I, when I was with the chapter as long as I was, I really seriously considered you know, staying in that avenue, either trying to get a job with the PGA of America or maybe even the PGA Tour or one of our allied associations and kind of just working on the administrative end. I, there's just so many avenues uh, that you can pursue that if you've got a passion for golf, just go for it. I, that's, it's great advice. I mean, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've had Henry, I've had Indy um, work with me, you know, so far up here and, you know, I mean, look at, look at Henry. Henry's been able to go and caddy for, uh, you know, for Dana and, you know, it's just another avenue, another opportunity that, you know, he, you know, didn't just say, you know, Hey, I'm going to work right behind the counter all, all day, every day. I, I love golf, but I want to do something else. Let me, 
let me test it out. Let me just bounce back and forth and see, you know, what I truly like doing. And, you know, I think he's finally found something that he really loves doing. Yeah. I, I tell that to, you know, people all the time. I, you know, find what really kind of, you know, revs you up and, you know, get your juices flowing and go for it, whether that's, you know, teaching or running events or, um, you know, working with kids and, or even you know, kind of on the administrative end and whether it's looking at spreadsheets or balance sheets, um, you know, there's, there's something out there, you know, for everybody. You just have to kind of find what, what, you know, what kind of gets your uh, juices flowing. Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, let's, let's talk about teaching. Let's talk about junior golf. Uh, you know, you've, you were nominated as, uh, or you were selected as, you know, some of the best teachers in the state multiple times, what, 2001, seven, uh, 11, 14. So, I mean, you've, you've been, you know, one of the best teachers in the state for, uh, according to golf digest for, uh, for many years. And, you know, what's, uh, what's the, your thought process when it comes to teaching? Is it, you know, focus on junior golf? Is it, you know, beginners? I mean, we all teach differently and we all, like different students. And, you know, for me, I love junior golf. I love growing the game and, um, you know, how did, you know, how did that passion start and, you know, where's your focus now? Yeah, I think I've always, um, kind of, you know, junior golf or youth development has always been kind of near and, you know, dear to my heart. Um, when I started at Gorm, that's really was kind of a focus of, you know, Mark kind of gave me a lot of the junior programs to kind of, you know, run with. So that was kind of like my first introduction to teaching. And um, I think I, that's kind of always stuck with me. Uh, and then as I um, transferred to the Woodlands, um, I, you know, probably 90% of my teaching there was, you know, was with kids and uh, they used to run a really extensive junior golf program. They still do PGA junior league and things like that. So um, youth golf has always been um, kind of near and dear to my heart. I've always just tried to, you know, maybe differentiate myself from from others. And you know, whether I'm you know TPI certified, um, I got in with the Operation 316 a couple of years ago, where we do Op 36 here at the club, um, and that's been pretty popular. So, you know, however you can, you know, maybe differentiate your product or your style from from everybody else, I think is, is important. And I think that also uh, is important, you know, with teaching. You know, I, I really like the idea of the operation 36. Um, you know, it's, it's a great way to get everybody involved and really teach them the, the foundation of, you know, scoring and being able to shoot low and getting in that mindset of, Hey, you know, I can shoot even far. I can shoot under par. Um, you know, can you explain that to our listeners a little bit about the Operation 36 system? Sure. It's really trying to get the kids, and, and now they even have adult programming, but it's really just trying to get the kids out on the golf course as soon as possible. Um, and there's different levels, and their, their instruction or the instruction with each level kind of corresponds to the distance uh, of the golf course that you scale for the kids. So. You know, I know when I started playing, you know, youth basketball, we played half court. Um, and when we jumped into a pool the first time, we weren't expected to swim the entire, you know, length of the pool. We would swim side to side. And that's kind of the, you know, it's really kind of whaling it down or 
simplifying. That's really what Op 36 is. And they start at 25 yards. And if they can shoot 36 or better from 25 yards out for nine holes, and they move to 50 yards and so on and so forth until they get all the way back to the regular tees. And then within each um, yardage, there are 10 to 12 uh, core kind of competencies that uh, they need to satisfy, whether that's, you know, grip, green reading, uh, posture, power, ball first contact, things like that. Uh, there's a great app that folks can download that can track your, uh, your child's progress. Uh, there are short instructional videos. So if I'm working with your son or daughter today and I'm teaching them, you know, uh, level one grip or level one green reading, um, the, the mom or dad can watch the same video that I'm using to, to teach their son or daughter to kind of reinforce that um, when they're on the golf course or when they're on the practice with, with their son or daughter. So it's been really, really popular. I, the one thing that I really love about Operation 36 is as, a, as someone that's been teaching youth a long time to kids, we're constantly asked two questions. When mom or dad pick up Johnny or little Susie after class, A, did you have fun? And usually mom and dad can answer that. That, that question, I should say, can be answered fairly easily by the smile on the kid's face. And two, is my son or daughter getting better? And that second question I found is often really hard to answer because, well, I know they were hitting a little better today on the range or their grip looks a little bit more consistent or their posture is really solid but I don't really have anything to kind of quantify that improvement. And with Operation 36, you know, we can do that. I, we have a, I get a um, one of my students here, um, Max, he's just a wonderful little kid. When he first started uh, playing from 25 yards, he was shooting 43. So we knew we had to really focus in on his chipping and his putting. Certainly wanted to hit drivers now and then, but he hits his driver obviously a little bit further than 25 yards. So we kind of honed in on his chipping and putting skills and he started shooting. He went from 43 to around 40 to all of a sudden he started shooting, you know, 36 from 25 yards. So he saw that improvement. He then went to 50 yards and again, he started shooting in the low 40s, but got to, you know, shoot 36 and now he's back up to 75 yards. So there's, there's ways we can really kind of measure um, your child's, you know, progress, which, again, that's one of the just one of the great things I love about Op 36. Yeah, you know, we we kind of do something similar. Um, you know, we don't have a crazy huge junior program up here um, just because, you know, our location. But, you know, I mean, it's difficult for, you know, you and me to play Sugarloaf, uh, you know, even from, you know, just the white tees or the blue tees, um, imagine, you know, throwing a junior into the full length, you know, golf course. I mean, they wouldn't even finish, you know, the first hole or, you know, first three holes in time. So, I mean, we kind of focus on the same thing of, you know, giving it, you know, putting it at 150 yards, hundred yards, 50 yards and making it, you know, more enjoyable and, you know, getting them to shoot, you know, shoot these lower scores, you know, have quantifiable results, but also have fun. I mean, I, I 
we've tried going, you know, my first year here, I think we tried going from, you know, going from the green tees and these kids, I mean, we're making 19s, 20s on the first hole. And it's like, well, how's that fun? You know, they, they weren't having fun. So you gotta just, you know, throw in, you know, different games, different, you know, stuff. I mean, we did water balloons occasionally just let them blast water balloons with clubs or, you know, of course, then we end up throwing them at one another, but Hey, it's fun. It's, it's enjoyable. And, you know, you, that's what keeps bringing them back more and more. And, um, I think Henry would agree, you know, that's, that's the key is, you know, keep these kids having fun. Yeah. I, I tell parents all the time that, you know, they like, you know, what's the best way to kind of get my kid interested in golf or, you know, you know, intrigued or, and I said, you know, just associate it with having fun. If you come out and you play one, one or two holes, and then you go look for squirrels or taste frogs or just ride around the golf cart. And, you know, it sounds pretty silly, but, you know, I know with, with my oldest son, you know, Chris, who's, you know, 23 now, he, uh, when he was young, we would do that. You know, I, you know, had every intention of going out and playing a few holes with him. And after 20, 25 minutes, he loses, you know, interest. So we would go and look, you know, things in ponds or ride around the, the courts or walk through the woods or something that just kind of always associated with, with golf, it's fun. You know, when you go to the golf course, you're going to have fun. You, you know, when you're young, you don't always have to play the, the traditional nine or 18 holes. See, what we did uh, up at Mirror Creek, Tony, was we we brought the kids out on the course. They played a few holes. And, and you know, like sometimes it's like after an hour or so, they're like, all right, let's do something different. So we always went pick berries off in the woods. And uh, Kevin and I made out pretty well. We got a lot of raspberries and blackberries out of that. Uh, out of that deal so that was fun love it love it I, I I'm always amazed that you know when we do a clinic up on the on our practice tee how much the kids love to go and retrieve golf balls and you know go, go with contests how many kids you know how many you know balls can you bring back in one trip so uh, anything to kind of make it fun and uh, is, is what it's all about so I remember you know when I was playing the pro-ams with Hickson back in the day, I guess, uh, you know, it, when we went to these tournaments, you were just probably the most organized person I had ever met at the time. Uh, really loved playing in, in the events that you ran. And I, I imagine that really helped you in, in, in your place now at Perpudic is, is getting in there. And um, can you talk a little bit about that, that transition and how, um, you know, how your experience at Perpudic has been so far? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate the kind word. Yeah, I, um, I started here in 2014 and um, club was kind of going through, a, you know, a little bit of a, a change um, at the same, uh, shortly after or shortly before I was hired, the club hired a general manager and then I was brought on. And then after that, we hired a new superintendent uh, and a new chef. So um, there's a lot of us that are, are still here that we kind of all started kind of on the same uh, same time kind of on the same level so but a great team effort um you know I really feel like I I had a lot of I was I felt like I was kind of more than ready to take on uh, or to become a, a head golf professional um I, I felt like I had, you know learned kind of both sides of the business um you know both from uh you know kind of from the golf professional end but also kind of like from an administrator end, 
and kind of what it takes to, to you know, run events or, um, you know, deal with the media and, and things like that a little bit for my, my days, you know, kind of with the chapter. So, um, and we've just kind of, you know, built a really, you know, good team. I've got a wonderful staff here, uh, both kind of in the, uh, in the golf shop and in our food, on our food and beverage team and as well as the golf course. So we're, uh, we're kind of doing a lot of, you know, good things here. We, um, we started a, a bunker renovation two years ago. We, we renovated all the, the bunkers on the back nine. Um, we had plans to, to continue that project last year, but with the uncertainties with, with COVID, we kind of put that on hold. Uh, but we are kind of moving forward this spring with, with finishing our bunker renovation. Um, and we're also going to be... Uh, laser leveling and, and redoing about 25,000 square feet of, of team ground. So a couple big capital projects kind of in the work this year, which, which we're really excited about. So did you feel like it all kind of came full circle? Cause you know, you went to the, the 1984 union mutual senior classic. I saw you were out there watching Arnie and we, you know, we just posted a video that uh, I couldn't believe we actually had footage of, of Arnold at the event. Uh, I thought that was awesome, but uh, did you feel like it kind of, you know, came full circle being able to go back to your stomping grounds there? It really did, Henry. It's, um, you know, so I graduated from high school in 1987, and I remember coming here, I, I believe it was the 84, 85 uh, event, and uh, my uncle took me here, and, and I, and I, I do remember the event. I, I remember seeing Mr. Palmer and, and, and those, um, Mr. Casper. Um, so that was kind of like my very first, I guess, um, time, you know, seeing, you know, that level of golf. So to, you know, to think however many years it's been that I'm, I'm kind of back here is, is kind of cool. Um, and those three, uh, those three events are, are still really near and dear to a lot of our members. Um, you know, we, we had some artifacts kind of around the clubhouse uh, from that time frame. Um, and next season, 2022, we'll be celebrating our centennial um, for the club. And we, um, you know, that that piece of history will, will certainly, uh, you know, be brought back, you know, next year. It was kind of a big part of their 75th celebration and it certainly will be from our centennial so yeah it's, it's kind of cool to think that kind of when I first started really kind of getting into golf um you know I was here and you know but 35 or so years later I'm I'm kind of back hopefully today now did did you have the opportunity to kind of get up close to him and perhaps meet him I know there was thousands of people there yeah, I, I did not. I, I remember, um, you know, walking around, you know, the front nine a little bit. Um, I, I, I do remember the old second hole when it used to be just kind of a, a straightaway par four. But I do remember, um, you know, walking kind of the front nine, but never really, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd like to think that I was at one time part of Arnie's Army. But um, I have to be honest, I, I don't really remember seeing him up close. But just being on the same grounds as, as he was, was was pretty cool. I, um, the, the only other time that I, I saw Mr. Palmer was um, I had the good fortune of going to the Masters in 2000. And um, 
then I saw uh, Mr. Palmer, he was walking up the, uh, the seventh hole and Bernhard Longer was, um, was playing uh, the, eighth, the second hole, the hole at the base of the seven, I'm kind of trying to play. Now, but, um, but Bernhard Longer hit, hit his tee shot in the practice round and actually waited for Mr. Palmer to, to finish putting on seven and kind of walked over to him and they explained, they exchanged pleasantries and, and shook hands and, and so forth. And um, it was, you know, pretty cool to see, you know, a, a, uh, someone of, you know, Bernhard Longer's stature back then, um, you know, kind of wait to wait for that opportunity to go over and, and, and see, uh, see Mr. Palmer. I, I would say that was pretty cool. And, to me, it always showed how much respect uh, the guys out on tour must have, you know, had for from the Palmer. Well, yeah, I mean, the, and then the opportunity to go to the Masters—that's uh, that's pretty cool. How how did that end up coming to be? So, as a you know, one of the benefits of, of being a PGA member, we we are you know we get access to the tour events and um, and the Masters being one of them. So, it was a. Uh, I went down with uh, Mark Fogg, who I was working for at the time, and uh, we kind of went down on, you know, kind of spur of the moment. It was, it was going to be we, what we thought was going to be a, a later opening. So we, we had a friend, uh, a mutual friend who lived down not too far from there, and uh, like I said, we kind of went down on spur of the moment and went to a couple days of practice rounds and took a bunch of pictures. I still have them and. Uh, I remember uh, back then, you know, Marco Mira was using the old uh, tailor-made, um, that orange, like, bubble shaft. Um, and, you know, just looking back at some of the pictures of some of the, the clothing that they would wear then, which didn't seem that long. It was only 20 years ago, but some of the technology in, in their, their bags was, was pretty cool to kind of still look at. It's an amazing place. How many, uh, how many times have you gone? Just the one? Just the one. Yeah. I, I certainly, uh, would love to kind of get back there and see some of the changes, um, at the golf course, but was just even, you know, 20 years ago, just kind of blown away by just the attention to detail uh, that that place uh, has is just staggering. We've gone, uh, I've gone three four times, uh, pretty much we timed it. So where, when I was going from Florida to Michigan, I would always stop in Augusta before cutting across to Tennessee to visit my parents and then up. Um, so we've gone a couple of times and I mean, you're right there. There's not one blade of grass that's out of place. I, I remember the first time we stepped onto those hollow grounds and my buddies, uh, you know, it was kind of like a little mini reunion for us coastal kids that, you know, all graduated the PGA program. Um, you know, we got there and one of my buddies started rolling around the grass. We're like, what are you doing, man? And he's like, this can't be right. This can't be real. There's no way this is not, you know, this is not real life. We're like, dude, it is like, enjoy it. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if you ever get a chance, you got to get down to Augusta and experience it. Yeah. And just, you know, the, the patrons and, you know, just everyone's behavior there is, is kind of at a different level, but, you know, well, it's been documented, but you know the concession prices and, and things like that. It's just very, very. It's a, a 
really refreshing to you know to know that those places out there there are places out there that do exist. So, what what Sammy did you order, Tony? What what sandwich? sandwich? Oh, I, call, I said Sammy. <laughs> yeah, pimento. Pimento, nice. Okay. Did you try all of them? I mean, they're only like what two bucks? Yeah, actually, I don't even think they were that much back then. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you win, and then, you know, in 2017, you're named New England Golf Professional of the Year. That's uh, probably the highest honor you can get in New England as a PGA professional. I think that's, it's, it's always great to see main professionals uh, win that as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's a testament to all the work you've done at, at Perpudic and Junior Golf and um, just a, an awesome achievement. Can you talk a little bit about that? Thank you. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, it's been uh, certainly a total, uh, you know, kind of team effort, um, you know, since I've, like I said before, since I've been here. And, you know, I think when you, um, you know, earn or accomplish, you know, anything significant uh, in life, it's, it's really you know, it all starts with people taking a chance on you. And I, I remember, you know, going all the way back to, you know, right out of you know high school and, and John LaFond took a chance on me, bringing me on to, to help, you know, coach the golf team. And then Mark Fogg taking a chance on me, who, you know, I didn't, I knew how to play golf and I could play at a, you know, a decent level, but I didn't know the first thing about working in a golf shop or, Regripping a club or, or teaching youth golf or, or anything. So, you know, he took a chance on me. And, and then when I went to the Woodlands and, and Doug Van Rickler and, and, you know, the, the team over there took a chance on me and then kind of moving to Papudic. So, um, certainly it's, um, that's kind of where it all starts. And I feel like, you know, I, you know, I worked pretty hard and, and I've always kind of had a passion for, our industry and I think just those three things when you when you kind of put them together you um, you know you you know good things eventually will, will kind of come your way and um, I think that's really the kind of the what was kind of the recipe for for that success yeah I mean it, you know it's it's well deserved um, you know the the respect everybody has for you. Um, I know, you know, when I first got to Maine in 2016, you know, you took the time to introduce yourself and, and, you know, that was the time when you were still uh, the PGA president or just about to be PGA president uh, for the chapter. And, you know, that, that was kind of the, I think you gave a speech about, you know, contributing to, uh, to grow the game and to do your part um, in one of our meetings. And I think that really hit hard for me and uh, kind of the jumpstart for, you know, me to participate in the chapter and to, you know, kind of get, you know, keep pushing the growth of the game and really take it on. So, you know, I, thanks for, thanks for everything you've done. And, you know, it, it really is a uh, well-deserved award. Thank you. I, you know, there's, there's a lot of great, great golf professionals. I, I've had the good fortune of serving on the awards committee, both at the chapter level and section level. And, you know, you, you know, some of us know each other a little bit more just, 
you know, do either through friendships or where we are in the state or, or the region. And but when you um, when you start to read through some of the golf professionals' applications when they're nominated for the various awards, you really it you know I have the utmost respect for for all of all of my peers. Um, that there's a lot of great um, men and women that are doing some great things um, in our industry, whether it's you know teaching or youth golf or doing things in their community um, with veterans. Um, things like that. So, um, you know, I was fortunate to kind of get recognized, and um, but there's a lot of you know great uh, great golf professionals, not only uh, in Maine but you know throughout New England, and um, it certainly was uh, was a great honor. The uh, the applications, those you're right, those are interesting. Uh, you know, being on that that awards committee and reading those, uh, you know, especially last year, uh, you know. I, I it's just like I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I, I was doing a lot of, you know, I was busy, I was doing a lot. And then you read somebody like Keenan Flanagan's application, you're like, Wow, all right, you know, I I'm not doing as much as I, I think I am. You know, I can I can do a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I I always think of the, the John Quincy Adams and talk about leadership and you know, if you you know, if your actions you know, make people or inspire people to do more be be more and dream more than, than you're a leader. And you're right. I've, I've looked at, I read through a lot of those applications going, wow, I'd, I need to kind of step up my game here. It's uh, <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. I believe you were uh, a award winner. I, I was, you know, I was, uh, pre, uh, I uh, got uh, merchandiser of the year. I uh, just found out it's uh, back to back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to catch up to uh, Chris Twombly's, what was it, like 13, 14 Merchandiser of the Year awards in a row. Um, but, you know, it's it's an honor to be, you know, even mentioned into the uh, these these categories and to uh, be nominated by my peers and to to win them. You know, it's a, you know, there's small, small things for us to, you know, kind of give us motivation to keep doing what we're doing. Um, and, you know, it, it shows that, you know, our hard work, work is, you know, paying off and uh you know i appreciate everybody uh nominating me and and voting so um you know we're gonna uh keep growing this game and keep making it better so uh tony we're gonna uh we're gonna finish it off with our uh, infamous uh wicked fire we got uh five questions for you um you know you can answer them uh we ask as quickly as possible but uh you know we can uh, we can definitely edit it for you and make it seem like you're really wicked fire on it. Uh, so start it off. Your five favorite courses in Maine: Perpudic, Waterville, Sugarloaf, Crouch Neck, and York. You know we we haven't really had too many people mention Waterville, and this is the second recording today that we've done and both of you have mentioned Waterville. Um, you know, it's a great golf course. You know, the greens are extremely fast when they, uh, when they want to get them fast and they're so tough to putt on when they do. Uh, let's go with a uh, favorite hole at Perpudic. Our seventh hole, uh, requires a little bit of, uh, right to left off the tee to, you know, kind of get a little bit of run out there and, um, you know, 
a, a pretty straightforward second shot. I just kind of love the, the look of that pull off the tee and, and approach into that green. I think it's a it's a simple hole, but just a really a really good a really good hole. I agree. You know, it's kind of got that kind of the tilt to the left to kind of allow you to kind of hit that draw and let it kind of sling in there. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Uh, your dream foursome. Wow. Um, well, certainly my uncle Al who introduced me to the game, I would say, um, Mr. Palmer and probably tiger that's that's good that's a good little uh good little mix right there it was tiger or jack but i i i think tiger yeah i you know i, I think tiger's got some uh you know you get arnie already so you know go with go with tiger uh you know you're you've been to augusta we just talked about it uh whether your favorite shot your favorite hole your favorite little history what's what's your favorite part about augusta Um, boy, I would say, um, the consistency of the golf course, um, in that you, when you go there, you know, obviously it, it's the same golf course every year. Um, it kind of looks and feels certainly on TV to be the same every year. Um, and just how it, how it's just kind of a puzzle for all those guys. Um, it doesn't seem to lend itself to any one particular style of play. You've got the Mike Weirs, you know, winning in the past that laid up. Uh, you've certainly got the Tiger, you know, proofing and the Bombers. Um, and then you've got just a, you know, a, a what seems to be kind of a, a potpourri of, of other winners there. So um, I love the kind of the consistency, but yet the, the puzzle that it seems to be that no one really can figure out. I like that. That's, that's, that's a really good one. And, uh, our final one, um, uh, if you could make one change to Perpudic, um, what would be the, the big significant change? So like for me, I, I hit draws. So I you know for some of these holes at Sugarloaf, I would change maybe a little rerouting to make it a little bit easier for my draw, but what would you change at Perpudic? Um, I would like to, well, with, with the, we continue to make improvements on the golf course. So I'm going to kind of go a little um, maybe out of bounds here. I'm going to say just that we had a little bit bigger practice area. Um, if we had like a, a one or two hole short course, I think it would be wonderful for, for kind of growing the game, both with, with some of our, you know, the new golfers, whether they're, you know, youth or, or adults. So a little bigger, a uh, little bit of practice area. Yeah, I think we could all use a little bit of that wedge improvement too. So that would be that would be a welcome addition, I would say. Um, yeah, that that short course that they have at Riverside is, I think, just a hidden gem. That thing is so cool. Well, geez, probably when you went down to Augusta, you're like, look at this practice area. Let's bring some of this back to Maine, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, so Tony, we uh, we thank you for for coming on our show, and uh, we wish you the best of luck as we sort of enter into that 2021 season. I expect the the numbers will continue to be be high. I mean, you said it yourself that um, 
rounds were up what at least 30 40 percent for you right yeah over 40 percent it's just astounding i mean the whole state just saw a sort of uh influx there but i mean it's just it's great for the game it's great for the state of maine to see that happening and um i'm sure we're hoping for another good season ahead of us so thanks again for coming on thank you yeah i appreciate like i said uh appreciate everything you guys are doing and enjoy following you guys on social media and I love uh I love your swing tips and I love how you seem to use anything to uh to kind of make golf better whether it's uh whatever it might be a great great presence on social media Tony for our for our listeners if they want to find you or or find out a little more information about Perpudic where should they go uh, our website perpudic.com P-U-R-P-O-O-D-O-C-K.com is our website. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. And for our listeners, if you guys uh, can find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, we're pretty much across the board at this point. But if you're on iTunes, we appreciate any uh, feedback you can offer, comments, suggestions, ratings, anything of the sort. If you have any old footage of Arnold Palmer at Perpudic, that would be awesome if you seem to have any of those or pictures, anything of the like. Um, we, we are definitely looking for more, more uh, main golf history to add to our uh, social media content and to the podcast. So uh, thanks again for listening. And this has been another episode of Main Golf Talk. Mm-hmm.